0: Cineboys to in episode 36. 36. 36. 36. Wow. Hope you're well wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, this week, The Killer. Yes. Fincher's The Killer. I was thinking it's really strange, actually, that it's the first film we reviewed that we haven't watched at the cinema. As in like a new release.
1: Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, I didn't even bother checking if it was around. It's just been on Netflix. No,
0: I think it had like a really limited because mm. netflix tends to do that don't they? they have like a really limited sort of like release in cinemas before
1: yeah yeah basically so it can qualify for the oscars i think
0: Ah, and that's it, it. Yeah. yeah but uh yeah we're gonna talk about that mm. we'll dabble a little bit with fincher uh i think we mentioned in the outro the last episode we're sort of reticent to talk a great deal about him because he's one of the director's names in the director deep dive pot yes uh, which I'm sure we'll revisit We've got Jonathan Demme next We do, we? Yeah, oh, yeah yeah, We'll, we'll do that Demma. soon yeah. So we'll 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 do him later Well, review him we'll Talk about <laughs> him so. oh, Fucking hell um, As the film f- focuses on, on the Hitman We'll talk about the Hitman in cinema Or Hitman films and Yeah Picked a couple each To sort of ramble on about Yep So uh, yeah, that's it really Let's do it Yeah, shall we? Alright then mm. Questing the cinematic ride. I realise that it's important. I said review Jonathan Dem as yeah. a person. I don't know what that really means. <laughs>
1: well we can. We can uh,
0: review as as a human being with our yeah. limited. We'll have to be sort of him.
1: journalists. Yeah. And we'll go out there and do some research and like speak to his family and yeah, yeah, review yeah. him as a as a man. Maybe get them as an interview.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. that could be cool. Send the boys first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, of course we'll talk about his movies, which we'll do soon. I guess. I guess we'll wait for like a blank spot in the yeah, maybe, cinematic calendar.
1: Mm, maybe after Napoleon. Although obviously we're coming up to Oscar season, so uh, it's going to get heavy,
0: isn't it? It and is. Yeah, thick well, with films. Yeah, <laughs> largely run-of-the-mill films. It's probably.
1: annoying. That, yeah, <laughs>
0: probably. Yeah,
1: it's annoying. Jonathan Demi doesn't have anything uh, on the slate. That uh, we could could have combined it, but yeah. Well, thanks a bunch, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> Maybe cut that out, Ben. I don't know. See how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, oh, Jesus! I'm sorry. It's the first time I've had a
0: beer before starting the. Podcast. I was just thinking we've had some beers, we're feeling a bit cheeky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the boys uncut. Yeah, yeah. Like Un- three beers. <laughs> this is what life's like in your thirties—like three beers, and you feel like you're off the leash. <laughs> um. So the Hitman film. Yeah. You know it's. I think we sort of alluded to it in a previous episode, but it's really quite a staple of mm. the genre. I mean, it's strange that it doesn't have, like, its own sort of set genre. It's sort of under the umbrella of action films, thriller films, or sort of spy thrillers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a, a genre that sort of existed for... right since the inception, mm. you know?
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah. I think I think possibly one of the reasons why that is is because you got... It's a sort of real treat narratively, isn't it? You've got like a real simple moral conundrum, you know, like earning a living versus your morals, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it's usually like a personal story and like a personal journey. Not all the time. I mean, some of the best Hitman films are duos, actually, but, you Mm -hmm. know, there's still usually like a personal through line that goes through them about someone becoming either better or worse. And, yeah, I mean, it lends itself to the sort of hour-and-a-half, two-hour
0: story really quite nicely. That's true, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a sort of condensed... A natu- something naturally sort of quite condensed about them narratively. Yeah. I've not considered that, but that's a good point. Mm. I think one of the sort of key themes about narrative films is this sort of sense of nihilism. There's always sort of like a sort of... A real sort of darkness to them. Yeah. Um That I think... I think the best examples of, of this sort of subgenre, you know, do really well in sort of interrogating that and interrogating the inherent sort of contradictions yeah, of the yeah. sort of, like, morality of, okay. of, of, of the hitman. And, and it's always quite strange to see films that try and inject some semblance of morality. Oh, completely, yeah. You know, the best ones tend to sort of, yeah, focus on that contradiction. And I think that's, you know, a few of the examples that I've picked out, and I think you as well, are, yeah, oh. are films that are very much about that. And, of course, The Killer is too. Mm. Um I would argue, perhaps, not as effective as it as it thinks it is.
1: Yeah, okay, I in, can in see that department.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get into that. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's a really interesting area film to talk about. And I send a voice first. Yeah, which is yeah. nice because usually we just talk about the same films, the same things, like <laughs> nostalgia. And, yeah, you know, all the time. So it's nice <laughs> to talk about something new. Although, upon doing the sort of research and picking of the two films that I've picked, I realised I've already talked about one of them quite a lot. So. I mean
1: there's yeah, a okay. reason why though I know what film you're talking about it is a fucking good movie and it's yeah. got, there's a lot of layers to that film I think, yeah, I think and it's, so. it's aged in a really interesting way yeah, and the yeah. way people think about it as well so. absolutely yeah I agree with you won't reveal what it is yet though Ooh. no <laughs> should,
0: we, should we go for film? do you want to go first I oh, feel like I know what your first choice is me. Yeah, partly because yeah. you said it in the last episode but I would know anyway
1: Yes. Uh it's one it's one of my absolute favourites, so much so that uh at my stag weekend, uh, on the third evening there wasn't as many of us. Uh the film was sort of screened for me. Aww. it was a really sweet touch, so like we know Ben absolutely loves this film. Uh it's in Bruges. Uh yeah. yeah. Uh a classic yeah, of the definitely. Hitman, I'd say. Uh the, of the Hitman the Hitman genre, if you could call it that. I yeah. think it's just a, such a gem. Um and a real kind of uh, it stands the test of time at least in some respects a lot of this sort of dialogue is like ridiculously (laughs) non-PC in in certain areas but it is a very morally complex tale Um, I think I'll kind of briefly touch on the plot if you haven't seen it Uh, it's basically about two hitmen that arrive in Bruges the town in Belgium and they've been sent there to hide out after basically one of them accidentally kills a little boy. And That's it's right, it's yeah. a very I mean it's a very funny film, but it's very dark and there's a lot of sort of pathos in there as you kind of yeah. get to learn you know, just exactly, you know, what this guy Ray, played by Colin Farrow, exactly what he's going through, it becomes you know, from him being a kind of, like you say, a very cynical and bitter guy who hates his surroundings. He's like a bruiser, you know, bruises a shithole. <laughs> you kind of slowly start to realise that the reason why he's so kind of downtrodden is because he's very recently experienced. On his first job, he's accidentally sh- shot. He shoots a priest and the bullet travels through the priest and hits like a five-year-old boy in the, in the forehead and he collapses. And so it's just, yeah, I mean, it's... It's a very, it is. It's hilarious. There's some like really quotable lines in it, mm. but I love the you know that it gets that balance of pathos and humor just right. Um, I was, uh, the, I got this recommended to me like the a year after it came out by uh, my granddad actually oh right okay um, and he's like a big film fan and he um he sort of said oh you you like this like give this a watch called in, in Bruges. Uh, and I hadn't heard of it at that point, but it was already out on DVD. I think I must have just missed it. And his taste in films at that point in my life, I've since warmed to a lot of the films that he'd recommend, but occasionally they'd be like a bit too arty for me. You know, 2008, I was, what, 14? Mm. So I struggled with some of the, you know, more heavy-handed films at the time. And I kind of thought, right, well, this could be a bit of a gamble. I'll buy it. And the f- opening credits came on, and it had Carter Burwell's score on it, which is, like, very slow, menacing yeah, piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And shots of, like, medieval buildings. And I was like, oh, fucking, here we go. This is going to be a slog. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of the credits, I was hooked for some reason. I was like, I guess... And sort of there's a, a through line in the film where it's like this this place is simultaneously really irritating, but also really magical and beautiful at the same time. Like, there's a bit at the end where when like uh Brendan Gleeson's character which is sort of the Colin Farrell's fellow hitman who's a lot more experienced than he is he's like i didn't mean to be taking the piss out of how bruges you know bruges a fairy tale place it is a fairy tale place like and i think martin mcdonough uh, the director wrote it based on a excursion he had to bruges when he was 7 and he had like a kind of um uh, almost, uh, what, do, what do you call it, like a kind of cognitive dissonance in that he, his outward behaviour was suggesting that he hated it because, you know, he's seven and he's getting dragged around like a medieval town. Right, okay. But apparently, like, he, there was something in him that actually really liked it. And mm. it, I think when you're that age, it's quite difficult to express. You can't exactly say that th- places are pretty. Mm. Um, but, like, inwardly, he was sort of taking it all in and absorbing all of this sort of... Hieronymous bosch paintings and stuff like that um yeah i just think it's great i think it's a really it's it's just a hitman film that gets that balance just right and it doesn't feel contrived or it's not i mean it is borrowing from a lot that came before it but it's doing so in like quite a subtle way you've got the the central kind of uh There's a kind of a theme in it, whereas Bruges is kind of a proxy for for Limbo, which is, again, the reason why a lot of these Hieronymus Bosch paintings are featured in it. And uh, there's sort of a lot of stuff about guilt and judgment, obviously, after what's happened with the little boy. And, yeah, it's just a sort of mix of that. And I think it's it's great. I think it's fantastic. Um, And um, I would yeah I'd recommend it thoroughly yeah I'm sure most people
0: have seen it by now I would say so but you never know I think it is yeah I think there is it's a sort of crowd pleaser isn't it and I don't don't mean that in a way that's sort of like negative it's been a long time since I've seen it but you know it is sort of like a film that presents the ideas of the sort of Hitman film quite nicely in a way that's sort of using the comedy to sort of leverage that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think he's very good at using comedy to sort of break into those sort of quite dark themes and ideas. Yeah. Which are obviously very present within the sort of hitman subgenre.
1: Completely, yeah. Like, going going from that, there's a sort of a line, one of my favourite lines, which is so great because it's simultaneously hilarious and also absolutely, like, ridiculously upsetting. Like, there's a bit where... Ray, Colin Farrell's character in the film, sort of hit rock bottom with what's happened to him, and he goes to a park and he intends to shoot himself, and he gets stopped by Brendan Gleeson's character, and uh, there's a line he just says, uh, "You're like, uh, you're going to kill yourself," and he's like, he just goes, "I'm allowed." (laughs) <laughs> it's just something so hilarious about that, but also <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. dark and horrible at the same time. As I, I'm allowed, like, well, fuck, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's uh, yeah. I just think that line sums up the the kind of tone that it yeah, sets. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just think there's a reason why it stayed with me and why I've, i saw it twice in one day once <laughs> i, don't, I it's, which is kind of weirdly pathetic It was at university i don't know i think i watched it on my own and then everyone came around and chucked it on again or something um but yeah there's definitely a reason why that film stayed with me and uh i just think yes yeah, one of for me i am slightly biased because i watched it at an age when you know how like Perhaps films that aren't actually as perfect as you think they are, but because you saw that saw it at a time in your yeah, life, you know? yeah, yeah. it does. I think it does suffer from that because I've heard a lot of criticism about about it since, particularly in, like the way it's shot and I was, it was so slightly lazy. I think it looks quite nice, but um, yeah. and yeah, there's certain aspects of it hasn't haven't aged tremendously well. there's also scenes which are kind of part of youtube compilations (laughs) (laughs) you know a bit where ralph fine starts smashing the phone into like there's that scene which i think yeah it's always the the scene everyone remembers but um, yeah yeah mm.
0: it is definitely one of those movies that i think is sort of yeah it, it it's sort of ingrained in that sort of like quick clip, mm. easily digestible, swift content culture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which isn't yeah. necessarily the film's fault because I mean, obviously that preceded this whole rise of this kind of way in which people mm. uh, digest media or engage with, you know, films particularly. Yeah. Um. But no, I, I think it. I think it still holds up. I mean, I've not seen it for a while, so mm. I'd, I'd be interested to watch it now in, in the sort of current context. More broadly speaking, McDonough as a filmmaker is someone that. Isn't afraid to sort of go into those dark places. Mm. If you think about um, three, Three I was going to say three bridges, three Three billboards is very much you know it's a film that's a little bit closer to the sort of contemporary discussions that are happening around culture and Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know that film obviously drummed up quite a debate about you know. Oh, yeah. The ethics of redemption. Yes. And a redemptive arc for someone, you know, that is obviously quite a
1: A bit of an extremist. Extremist, a quite hateful
0: character doing a sort of 180 and and realizing the error of his ways and sort of given, uh, you know, that sort of almost sort of cathartic ending, which a lot of people took issue with, which I think is a fair Mm. criticism. But more broadly, on the idea of McDonough, he's obviously a filmmaker that will do those things and he will approach these kinds of stories and, and characters in that way regardless of what the era is
1: oh yeah he will i mean he doesn't even in bruges like he kills off he kills the wrong fella mm. right because ray i mean I, there's a ambiguous ending to sort of ray's fate but brendan gleason's who, who plays a kind of not necessarily against type he plays quite a sort of warm-hearted guy who's sort of uh act, acting as almost father figure to to ray um and he's the one who gets smashed on a pavement at the end. Like it's, he does do that with his characters, and he yeah. he, he gives the wrong people the the you know the redemptive arc sometimes, and I'm not so much in Seven Psychopaths. I, I wasn't as keen on that actually. I need to watch it again. Mm. But, um,
0: God, you haven't seen that for a long old time.
1: Yeah, it sort of faded into obscurity for me quite quickly. But yeah, he's very good at that, and you know, he, arguably three billboards. Uh, the main character is pretty nasty in it as well. She's she's a McDormand's, McDormand's character. I know sort of the reason why she's so hateful is because she's had this tragedy happen to yeah, her, yeah. but she's reacting in a very uh sort of knee jerk way to it. I mean, I've, oh Christ, I can't <laughs> I can't like begin to think what it must be like. However, she you know, she's a very complex, moral mm. person as well. He just likes playing with that, those things, and
0: yeah, I mean, and I think your mileage will vary depending. I mean that's sort of it's a ridiculous thing to say because your mind will vary with any movie but I think in the context of him and kind of filmmaker is, I think he's someone that you're either on board with or you aren't mm. you know what I mean and I think um,
1: yeah yeah
0: I think particularly in the case of In Bruges I think yeah it will go through this sort of cultural revisionism in which people sort of watch these films with the, through the lens of you know the way we look at culture now, and, and yeah, and, and all that sort of stuff. And I, th- I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by that process. You know, it's yeah. not something I disregard, mm. but I don't think necessarily it should stop people from enjoying films from that time. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's, fa- you can tell he's a playwright. I think, especially in the case of Imbrugge, because it's like a premise you can write on a napkin. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like a yeah, very, yeah, yeah. It, it's like. I actually can't think of any other examples at the moment, which is really annoying, but there must be hundreds of films before in Bruce that start with two hitmen, right? Simple moral conundrum sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember the scene when he's in the art gallery and he's looking at the paintings about judgment. Mm-hmm. That's such a nice moment. Uh, and again, the Carter, Carter Burwell score. It's a really nice soundtrack as well. as a really kind of simple piano melodies where he's just looking at a painting and for me like I sometimes can struggle with art galleries or at least as I was growing growing up like you know they're difficult places to stomach if you're you're like a teenager right you have to mm. walk around but also like as kind of I guess as I've got older I've realized why people enjoy it like you can just sit and stare and look at the art and it's nice mm. yeah <laughs> and yeah. there's a bit in that where um Ray you think Ray's gonna hate the art gallery right of all places because of the nature of his character but he's like all the others are rubbish this one's quite good and it sort of it slows in a a really unexpected time to a really nice sort of just a nice sort of steady downbeat pace for a bit and it's filled with those moments slightly unexpected moments of just yeah pathos Um, and it's great yeah it's
0: a hard thing to do pathos I think for characters of this ilk Yes. Completely. And I think this is something yeah. that there's a lot of ways in which, you know, people try and get you to get on board with these characters, either by sort of getting in with their sort of routines or mm. or highlighting the sort of contradictory nature of the way of life. And I think it's interesting that they would use guilt, yeah. which is something yeah. that is yeah, again, a sort of quite big part of the sort of hitman subgenre, but it's used to quite good effect through comedy. Yeah. In inbrush in Again, I've not seen it for a very long time, so I would I would like to see it again on the back of this discussion just to see how those elements all come together.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I'd definitely watch it again with, though, with that in mind, and just the idea of guilt, and obviously McDonough, British-Irish I guess, but he must have a lot of reverence for Ireland, and you know, obviously his Catholicism is quite a big part of mm, Ireland yeah, yeah. Irish culture, so it's... Um, Quite fitting that those themes kind of bleed into a story, it, it, despite the fact it's set in Belgium. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually got more connection to Ireland than Belgium,
0: I think, in Bruges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Guilt and judgment, man—they're classic Catholic themes, right? Oh, yeah. Corsese, yeah, did, you know, yeah. yeah, we did, yeah, yeah. The dogs with that sort of similar ideas, if not sort of different, obviously in their execution, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's nice. I, I like because there's a tendency, and I think I might do it with my sort of chat to sort of talk about sort of you know, sort of. Oh, arty! You know, foreign films, but it's nice to hear. You know, you bring a film that's really personal to you, and I think, that, yeah, that, you know, yeah. I think that's really nice, and it fits obviously really well with the
1: yeah, man. I, I, with I just, the potatoes we've
0: got in the shed,
1: <laughs> the shed with a with an oven in it. Yeah, yeah, of with, course. Which, yeah, of yeah, which yeah. we bake using to bake the potatoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah, for for all of you. <laughs> yes, all our dear listeners. Yes, uh, it's funny actually. Uh, I, I was thinking uh when we were talking about hitman films i was like oh i'll, I'll put i'll put something out and i realized does it just sound like i'm just asking people to talk about the, the their favorite hitman film is in the hitman the, the film franchise from the games yeah, yeah and there's, there's only two yeah yeah uh, i don't know i just suddenly <laughs> panicked and i was like oh god like i mean I, to be honest it's my fault i put i put the poll out too late or the questions out too late so, <laughs> so no one's replied but cheers But you know, like I thought, God, like that's pretty. Like, there's not a lot to talk about there. And how many people seen them? You know, I don't know. It's strange. I I, I mean, yeah, I've I've watched them, but well, I've watched
1: one of them, the Timothy Oliphant one, yeah, yeah. Rupert Friend one. Um, Yeah, I believe I even know that. I don't know why I know so much about those movies. Yeah, the the,
0: the, the second one is so shit. I mean, the first one isn't that great, but it's sort of half watchable. Yeah, yeah. The second one is fucking shy and i remember thinking <laughs> that that i mean this is a bit of an aside although it isn't because it's hitman literally yeah, yeah. Uh, but i remember thinking that, that film could have just been done with like such a smaller budget to encourage invention yeah do you know what i mean like yeah. whereas i think they had loads of money behind it and i think there's just this tendency with these sort of big franchise tie-in films to make them as big and bombastic as possible yeah and it just gives the film it just ruins it it just takes it away from what the, the i guess the games are about i mean i don't have, Particular reverence for the games, but I mean, obviously I played them sporadically throughout my youth and a little bit in my adult life. But yeah, it's strange that those films exist in that way. To me. It,
1: yeah, I do. It's interesting that um, immediately because it's an established sort of franchise that there's a you, you know more money will get thrown at it, and yet that would be ultimately to the film's detriment because. I mean, I've played him a bit actually, and you can make a really small, like low budget, kind of tight thriller from yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of game, like an hour and a half sort of, maybe one big fight at the end sort of thing. But like interesting choreography, yeah, and yeah, just a crew of eleven people or something. But yeah, they did go too too big on that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I totally agree with you on that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, I need Maybe I'll re watch them. If,
0: maybe not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't think there's any particular reason to watch either of those two films ever again.
1: Wasn't the second one? I remember the. Is, is Rupert Friend a place? I think thing? so.
0: And like, I remember there being like a scene where he's like, uh, there's like a helicopter.
1: Yeah, yes.
0: And at that point, I remember thinking that this is just like such a paint by numbers <laughs> sort of affair. He's not got, that I was expecting anything different. I don't know.
1: He's got such a kind face. The guy in the second one who plays Hitman—he's meant to be a sort of chiselled, sort of soulless killer and he's got like the he just he looks like a pretty boy you know I, mean? yeah, I yeah, 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 found yeah. the casting choice yeah, in the second
0: yeah. really odd a p- like a pretty boy who lost some like a frat boy bet or something and shaved <laughs> his head yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway that was a bizarre aside no yeah um, my film choice is fucking so far removed from that <laughs> and I was sort of just sort of lamenting the fact that people choose the foreign yeah, films yeah. uh, and that's what I've done I've chosen The Samurai go for it uh, it was interesting because I was going through doing a bit of the, you know, the cursory research as mm. we do here at Cinder Voice Cinnamon <laughs> uh, and uh, Fincher uses it as a touchstone and I think yeah. it makes sort of sense on the basis of how the killer frames their sort of life uh, and the sort of contradictions and the sort of archetypal, I guess coldness of the sort of Hitman way of life. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, but it's Jean-Pierre Melville, of course, is a sort of titan of French cinema, uh, one of the greats, someone I, you know, very early in my sort of, like, film journey, he was like the first, like, big sort of world cinema director I really got into. Mm. Um, he's really responsible for you know, gangster films. He did a gr- one of my all-time favourites, Army of Shadows, about the French resistance during the Second World War.
1: Oh, nice. Okay.
0: Excellent film. Like, yeah. one of the most sort of heartbreaking and punishing sort of, like, war films. Um, you know, he's just a fantastic director and someone that's well worth checking out. Um but he uh made Le Samurai which is it's kind of like this ode to the sort of samurai revisionism which was conducted by Kurosawa, but you know, t- obviously taken away from Japan and situated in Paris. Yeah, okay. What what ties the sort of the sort of the element of the samurai into this sort of cucumber cool f- sort of French hitman film is that the the hitman uh lives the life of the bushido which is like the samurai code of ethics but basically the sort of the loose idea of the plot is that i don't want to give too much away because i think it's something that you should definitely check out but it's a hitman that does a job and then he gets hunted by the same people that gave him the job whilst being hunted by the police yeah and he's trying to work out who's double-crossed him whilst evading capture from the police yeah, so very tense by the sounds of it. Like- yeah, yeah, but there's something. I mean, it's it's uh, the hitman is played by Alain Delon, who's obviously one of the most ridiculously handsome men of all time. <laughs> hey. he lives like a life of isolation in a Parisian suburb, and he almost sort of dips back into the city for a kill. You know, like he's some sort of like he's like some sort of, you know predatory cat almost. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he lives this life of isolation in like this sparse, dirty flat with nothing in it. He has no connections with anyone, and. The film really sort of focuses on those sort of inherent contradictions of the life and it's almost accentuated by cucumber cool nature of the performance from Delon uh, and the sort of connotations of, you know, French gangster cinema, which has always got this inherent suaveness to it. Oh yeah, yeah. Or, you know, on the basis of you know of of the films that have come before it, very much from 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 Melville. But what Melville's very good at he's very good at sort of the washed out grittiness of it. Like yeah. there's like this film feels like it's there's like a sort of like it feels like it's almost always grey and rainy, but it's beautifully shot, it's desaturated and washed out, but it looks stunning. And his films are always stunning visually. In the context of this film, it works and sort of offsetting the sort of coolness okay, of yeah, him. Yeah. You know, he's not living you know, he's not, he's not sort of in these sort of neon drenched sort of urban settings, uh, or is he in these sort of like places of high society, you know, he's walking amongst the sort of like rain battered sort of dilapidated buildings of some Parisian suburb, or he's out in the streets and the, the cinematography is sort of, it doesn't sort of strip the city of the beauty because it's quite difficult with Paris, but it's sort of like, there's a, sort of a cold distance to it.
1: You yeah, know? yeah, oh man, I, I, Paris is like that though like Paris is the amount of crime in Paris is incredibly surprising so you know it be fitting for a lot of these sort of films to come from that country and to be set in that city um, and I lo- I love the idea of a almost sort of working class hitman so I think quite often it can be glamorized yeah, uh, yeah, as yeah. we'll probably talk about later on with uh, Finch's effort. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, I mean, sounds like it's the exact opposite. you know.
0: Yeah, I, I think the sort of the, the process of, of, of stripping the glamour away from, from, from Delon and indeed the profession more broadly is achieved cinematically, mm. you know. But it's also achieved narratively through the sort of uh, the way in which that he's being pursued by the people that have employed him. Right. So yeah. like... There's this idea that he's obviously going out for revenge and trying to wrestle power back from this omnipresent sort of power structure, this sort of malevolent sort of criminal enterprise that is obviously orchestrating everything from behind the scenes. And, you know, like it's, you know, he's so disempowered by this experience and yet he's constantly hunting for it, searching for power, searching for agency. Yeah, okay. And that's one of the first contradictions is that, you know, they're always in control and they're cool and they're suave, but... Even someone like Delon, who plays it so inch perfectly, like you can see that sort of facade of power slipping.
1: Yeah, you know? okay. <laughs> and I think that's
0: part of that. Another contradiction is in his character. Like he lives alone. His relationships with women, particularly, are, you know, very sort of very much very physical. Okay, yeah. Uh, he has very few words to say to them. He can't connect to people, and it's just the idea that the, you know, he's obviously just a bit psychotic. You know, right, he can't yeah. have this way of life. And not sort of be yeah psychotic, and it almost sort of strips away that element of coolness because you know how can it be cool if you're just a bit sort of deranged? <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. enjoy, you know, if you do this do this work and continue to do it, then you know, there's something to be said for that. I think. I think so. Yeah. Is, is it? Uh does it have voiceover by him or anything like that? Not really, so the film communicates a lot through silence oh, so, right, okay. like, you know, like, so uh, Melville's sort of washed out sort of stylings, I mean, I want to sort of emphasise that that doesn't mean the film doesn't look stunning it's a beautifully mm. shot movie um, but, you know like, a lot of it's communicated through sort of stolen glances, there's so much sort of depth philosophical depth as to the nature of what it is to be a hitman yeah. the, mor- the moral sort of complexity of being a hitman, but it's communicated through sort of silence because Delon oh, yeah. is almost this sort of monosyllabic loner. Yeah. You know, like he's not equipped to deal with social interactions. And the fact it's almost sort of semi masqueraded in this sort of air of coolness is almost part of that contradiction. It reinforces it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you can't come away from that thinking God he's cool because he doesn't say a lot and he shoots people. Or <laughs> like, oh, this guy's clearly just just disconnected from humanity um so much. His only yeah. connection is is a bird that he keeps in a cage, which is again another sort of oh, heavy, right. okay. sort of philosophical, yeah. um, or sort of very metaphorical thing going on there. And there's a okay. lot of interpretation as to whether that shows his distance from humanity or his connection to it. The one, of the last vestiges of his connection to yeah,
1: it. Yeah. Okay. So he's got. A, he still kind of has to have a sort of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. And there's also sort of a, again going back to you know that sort of revisionism of the samurai that was achieved by Kurosawa and of course many other filmmakers, you know, it's like, you know, it's that sort of revisionism, the same sort of revisionism we'd have in Western culture for like knights. Right. Okay. You know, the idea that knights were these like loyal people mm. who protected the realm and were like, you know, steadfast in their morality which of course we know isn't true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's interesting to see that played out, taken away, obviously from the, you know, the sort of the bushido code and, and the samurai and honor and all that sort of stuff yeah you know it's about the preservation of the lord or the land whereas for him it's the preservation of the self okay so it's a very yeah. sort of like selfish and uh, profession
1: yeah you know? yeah oh, man. It's,
0: it's it's a really i've rambled for quite a while but no, it's, a, no, no. It's, a, it's a really fantastic movie it was a bit of a blind spot in his filmography i mean obviously there's going to be plenty with someone like him uh because you're sort of fairly limited in terms of accessing his films uh
1: but yeah i couldn't find it i was gonna watch it for today and i couldn't couldn't find it i know i just since i think you told me you had it on blu-ray yeah i like, but oh, it's okay. on quite
0: it's a criterion release oh. so, but it was only a fairly recent one again it's one of those ones that was quite hard to find until yeah, we did like yeah. a um but there's like a bfi box set with some of his other films like the circular rouge and stuff which are fantastic uh, crime thriller. He's just a the, the fucking granddaddy of like crime thrillers really. Uh, okay. um, yeah, yeah People like Michael Mann and stuff would owe a great deal of debt to him. Oh, particularly really? in the sense of scape and the way he frames these sort of expansive crime dramas that involve lots of different characters but it's grounded in that sort of a, that sort of gritty yet yeah, beautifully washed out aesthetic oh nice um, would you say
1: man's collateral was taken a, oh a i mean I, I
0: i mean i would definitely think so yeah yeah, yeah it yeah. sounds that way i mean yeah.
1: obviously collateral has the jamie fox character to kind of anchor the audience yes in some kind of yeah yeah in, in some sort of humanity but cruz's character on the other hand is a lot more kind of, by the sounds of things a lot more like uh alain
0: delon <laughs> yeah it's interesting you say that because i think what, what I think Melville's great strength is, is that he, you know, he can sort of humanize criminality, but never to the point where like it's sort of disregards the moral complexity of the situations they're in mm. and the, and the potential horror that might arise from some of their actions. Yeah. Right. But he brings okay. like a sort of closeness to that sort of world, um, mm. which is, yeah. Uh, makes him one of the greats for it. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Really recommend it. i recommend anything by Melville. He's a, for me, one of my sort of probably top 10 filmmakers. So oh, man. I, I would definitely seek him out. Sounds good. I
1: love a good kind of cold, gritty thriller. Yeah, um, and it's
0: it still oozes style though. I mean, it's yeah. like, and that might be one of those things where it's like, obviously, I'm just English looking in at French culture and there's always gonna be that thing of going, look how suave that guy yeah. is, you know? <laughs> yeah, purely they carry themselves of such grace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, imagine if you lived in France, you would even fucking think twice. <laughs> but like, I just think, yeah, there's like, there is a suaveness to it. And mm. I think the film does a r- brilliant job of playing to that, playing to that suaveness, distilling it and using it, uses it in conjunction with that genre so well. Mm. Because there are a lot of French filmmakers that were doing that before. I think, is it shoot the piano player? I don't know if it's a Hitman film. It's a long time since I've seen it. But again, it's dealing with these similar ideas and it's very suave and very cool, almost <laughs> yeah. knowingly so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, don't be me wrong, I fucking love True Phone. I love that movie. Well, not enough to remember parts of it, obviously. But it was a long time ago, give me some credit. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, there is that sort of almost self-knowing suaveness, which they, I think filmmakers like Truffaut and all the greats, you know, in that, that period play with very well.
1: No, cool, man. Um, yeah. Good I, stuff. I think it might be good time, you know, whilst we're on the subject of French films, to have an honorary mention of Leon the Professional. <laughs> of course, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Which sounds like it borrowed a little, little bit, if not quite a lot, from... Uh, from this, this other, uh, from Le Samurai as well, would you say? Or, I mean,
0: it's, I mean, yeah, obviously, there are going to be links because I think Melville is someone that I think anyone in this sort of genre would be indebted to, just naturally. Um, again, Leon, I mean, that is a film I've not seen for a very long time. There's a... but again, it's one yeah, of those films in in a sort of similar vein, not to sort of but to imbruge and that's sort of like it has that it's one of those films that a lot of people have connected to yeah and we'll, yeah and we'll know about and we'll be able to sort of talk about it in detail apart from yeah. me cuz i forgotten <laughs> it i yeah. think it it's got the um it's the, the the young
1: star in it right of natalie portman and obviously she's went gone on to become like a fantastic
0: stratospheric yeah yeah, 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 yeah a star yeah, in yeah.
1: the literal sense of the of the word and and to have a film, you know, earlier on in her career. I know she'd done some roles before Leon. I think she had, anyway. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. It's very much her equivalent of um, like Jodie Foster in Taxi Driver sort of role. And so a lot of people would probably revisit it for that reason to kind of watch her earlier stuff. And then, and so it's entered the public consciousness in that way, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, yeah, I remember that film for that urban legend about uh, someone. Robbing a jewelry shop near near the set of Leon and uh, going outside, seeing all the police officers who were actually extras, and they turned himself into one of the extras. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know if it's true. I I, oh. I hope it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. sounds too good to be true, but well, there's an urban legend about yeah, yeah. it which always connects to to Leon for some reason. Yeah. Remind me, who directed Leon? best uh, Besson. That's it, fucking hell yeah. yeah. Fifth Element Man.
0: Oh, what was the film he did before? Shit, yeah. Yeah, he also directed Kia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, a yeah. Good movie. That's a yeah, good movie. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Oh, fuck, I, I mean... He's someone that stock has dr- dropped considerably. Yes. <laughs> and everyone forgets that he did make some
1: fucking good movies. Oh, man, completely. It's almost like... Same with, you know, Matthew Kasovitz when he did Haine. He did nothing else after. I know Luc Besson did like Fifth Element, and he did. Uh, I think his I think his French filmography is quite extensive. But in the eyes of sort of American and English films, like he did that sort of uh, Valerian, The City of Thousand uh, Planets. Oh yeah, and, yeah.
0: The Carla delavigne in mean, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> never Dane saw Deham, it. Yeah. yeah, never saw it. Strange. Yes, an
1: odd filmography, and that has kind of waned a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know, yeah. Maybe it's amazing.
0: (laughs) Maybe. Maybe it'll have its own cultural revisionism. Yeah,
1: 20 years from now. Have you seen Valerian, City of a Thousand Planets?
0: I'm really looking forward to that, you know, because there's so many... I wonder, because, like, if I think about, like, films like... It's it's not fair to tie Valerian, whatever it is, and The City of a Thousand Cocks, whatever it's called, (laughs) but, like, 2001 was very much maligned. Yes, yeah. You know, there are so many films that I wonder... If there'll be some films that you know, that we've seen, not necessarily on it yeah. yeah. sci-fi, but that we've disregarded. That in twenty years there'll be sort of this cultural revisionist moment, and the films will get this revival. I know, and yeah. We'll all be forced to be like, oh yeah, yeah, oh they're really good. I, yeah, I often yeah.
1: think that about because you know the prequels when the Star Wars prequels came out, everyone was like they are fucking shit, yeah. And yeah. then like
0: the Disney ones came out, and everyone was like,
1: oh, I actually quite like the prequels. Yeah, yeah it's funny, <laughs> isn't it?
0: I yeah, I I always have quite a soft spot for them. I'm I, same, man, I think, yeah, great. Yeah. I, it's interesting that you say that because I think there is something going on with those, yeah,
1: and, and like you say, it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see what films that people are you know shitting all over now whether they'll kind of become Dussed relevant, off the shit and yeah. yeah, yeah, burst um, into a new dawn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I my next mention is but based on the fact I was hunting for *The Samurai I couldn't find it so I typed in Hitman into Netflix <laughs> uh,
0: thinking, always a sage move yeah yeah just, just type in like a sort of genre into Netflix and you'll be you'll be treated I was bombarded with, with all sorts of really
1: naff looking films and um and the one I landed on was uh, the Russo Brothers. Tactical Blast. <laughs> Tactical Blast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Callback. Uh, is their film they did after Avengers Endgame called The Grey Man, which apparently is a yeah. Hitman film. That's um, uh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans with a mustache and uh, Ryan Gosling being very bang average. Yeah. Uh, he's sort of on autopilot. He's not bad. Neither of them are bad and it's not necessarily a bad film, but it has that morals the moral setup in the like the opening scene there's like a moral quandary that Gosling has to sort of face and you, and it's semi interesting it's like you say with that whole neon drenched thing it plays to that really and it's like a it has that netflix sheen which i'm beginning to find quite annoying yeah yeah Um, (laughs) i I,
0: i'm completely with you on that i I, not to sort of jump in and take you out of your flow but (laughs) no no i feel like netflix the way they started out as like a real trailblazer didn't they yeah yeah you know they were the sort of one of the first sort of pioneering studios obviously hbo really started the tv revolution etc etc but you know like netflix were the one that really sort of you know, that home entertainment, streaming, it was the big one, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, And yeah. everyone
0: was like, wow, you know, this sort of, you know, they, they, they don't have to play by rules, they can shoot stuff how they want. And now every fucking Netflix project <laughs> looks exactly the fucking same as the next one. Yeah. And, and I um, think it's, you just know it, there's, there's sort of like a yellowiness to everything.
1: Yep, yeah. It's like a style guide that was weirdly set by Fincher with House of Cards. Ah, that was their first original so, property. and So it, everything's like a product of him in a way yeah they start color graded it everything looks like house of cards and even when it's more colorful there's that weird bloom that it has and there's no grain in it which annoys me it's quite like film grain i think it sort of lends uh, even when it's shot digitally you can you can put grain back on a film really easily not well it's actually quite difficult but there are companies that do it a film like mandy for example that oh yeah, got yeah grain yeah. put back over it to give it yeah. that earthy quality netflix uh ignored that completely which i think is a mistake um, and yeah, this is this film just inhabits that space. It's so unabashedly, and like you could tell that
0: and it's so annoying as well. Because for Fincher, as we'll talk about, I assume with The Killers, one of its great strengths is mm. that that style works for Fincher. Oh yeah, yeah. Works for the way of the, he 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 interrogates the themes that exist in the vast majority of his films as a sort of thematic mm. you know the films almost link arms don't they in the a yeah, way yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's strange to see like a watered down shitty version of it applied to absolutely everything Netflix made <laughs> yeah it is it yeah it is really does whatever sort of uh, narratives or ideas those films or TV shows are, are going for a disservice I think
1: I think I mean the, the mistake they made was setting their style guide based on uh, a filmmaker whose films are quite often chiefly concerned with coldness and distance yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, why yeah, you, why, yeah, Don't yeah, make everything look agree, like that. Yeah. It's just odd. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, there's quite a good action sequence in it in which Ryan Gosling fights a man whilst uh, an open smoke grenade is in his hand and all the smoke is trailing everywhere and he's in a plane that's going down. That's quite fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, got him, I mean, it is a Hitman film, by the way. Uh, it, it's tails off of that at the end. It just becomes a generic sort of action fair. But at the beginning there's like a moral quandary that's set up but it never goes anywhere you, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of almost like the script is saying "Like, oh this guy's you, you know he's got a conscience but then it doesn't it doesn't play into the rest of the plot at
0: all yeah and yeah. a lot of that's know, often the case with the shitter examples of, of those kinds of films isn't it yeah they yeah. Set up the moral quandary I think we sort of critiqued <laughs> expendables on that basis or yeah. action films <laughs> or straight to DVD action films mm, yeah if they're trying to frame that just don't yeah Do you know what I mean? Like, if you don't, if you if you if you know the sort of genre you're working in won't allow you to facilitate that in a way that is meaningful. Don't bother.
1: Yeah, yeah. You just don't need to. You don't need to introduce something just because it's a staple of films that came before it. Like, just accept it for what it is. Maybe people might enjoy it a little bit more. Take it at face value. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's. It's too long. Uh, Anna de Armas. I don't think. I think she's a great actor but I don't actually think she can carry much weight in terms of action scenes and stuff. I think she, she actually... like that film, Blonde, not a lot of people didn't like it. I quite liked it. I thought she was good in it. Um, I think she should sort of sort of stick to that role, really. She's a lot more interesting. But she, yeah, plays kind of, um, you know...
0: Knives ch- Out, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again. Sorry, it took me a second to the name to click yeah. no yeah, okay. that's right yeah she, she's in that as well she's great in that that's a good film yeah she's a great actress but yeah I did I have noticed she sort of appeared in films that are very similar to the grey man she seems yeah. to be in a few of those now
1: yeah she's just sort of a, a gun toting James that's... Bond
0: too wasn't she Uh yeah
1: yeah god she yeah, was yeah. oh yeah she was yeah. Ah, that's a, that was no time to die I, mm. I
0: still haven't seen that actually
1: it's all right. <laughs> it's, it's literally all right. Uh, it's better than Grey Man. Well, <laughs> But there we go. What
0: is it sort of about it then that, that, that makes it? Because it's interesting, because it's weird. I was thinking, you know, we start off with like a comedy Hitman film. We've gone to like the arc, the, you know, one of the sort of classics yeah. of the genre. Now we're going to like a sort of contemporary sort of shit <laughs> yeah, attempt yeah. to grapple these themes ideas. What is it do you think that is? the problem with it in terms of the way it handles the, the sort of oh what well,
1: yeah fair, I think the problem with it is that like I was saying earlier is the personal journey right that is what I think is the staple of a Hitman film and it doesn't have any of that globe trotting, you know it's not confined oh, son, to one location yeah. pa- Paris or Bruges for example like yeah, I really yeah. think that that with less like you said like with less money and with more introspectiveness and less a concern
0: with star power as well I think in yes. the case of the gray man. Oh yeah exactly yeah too, there's well, too I've many seen it, but
1: <laughs> Well there's too many familiar faces in it and it pulls you out rather than yeah, yeah. takes you in um uh, and I know it's not trying to be in Bruges, like it's a very different movie. Like even if it was good, it would be a really different film.
0: Yeah, it's trying to. It's d- not trying to be *The Samurai*. or anything No, like that, is it? No, But
1: at the same time, that's kind of its issue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is yeah. it? It really could have. Oh, I mean, I, I think you know, if if you just stuck to maybe just Gosling, and I'm sure we'll talk about Gosling a little bit more. Sure. Yeah, that's funny, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but. Um, I think that's its main problem, is its lack of personality, really. Hmm. Uh, and I know that's a cookie-cutter criticism, but it is true. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Shit, green screen at the end as well. Uh, I don't know why the majority of it, the green screen is actually all right. <laughs> and at the end, it seemed like they ran out of time. They always do that. Like The ending battle always seems to just take place on a soundstage where it's dawn for seemingly well, hours.
0: The <laughs> Russo's
1: yeah ah, yeah actually. They love it right. don't they? they love a um magic hour, but not real magic hour yeah, yeah it's too expensive yeah. and time consuming yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, give it a miss uh although it you know if you've got Netflix, it's technically free, so yeah, watch the scene on the plane with the smoke grenade. So Then turn it off <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah
0: i I think it's interesting that we talk about like gosling being average and I think obviously this is a guy that's you know worked in lots of stuff He's in the notebook which is pretty pretty iconic in right but I think it was Drive which is the film I want to talk about briefly mm. I th- you know I got really excited about the prospect of talking about Drive but I realised we've already talked about it I can't remember what episode it was actually but I know we have but I can't remember yeah where. we have
1: oh, fuck, oh, no. I'm fucking racking my brains as well I can't remember which episode we it was we
0: just recycle the same shit don't we yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know I, th- I think you know, what's interesting about Gosling's career is that like he playing the kind of character he doesn't in, in this, in, in drive has sort of almost, I mean, he's done a great job of breaking out of it and mm. working on some really great stuff and proving how fucking good it is. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think it's, you know, that character that he played in drive, I think is put him in a lot of sort of like, you know, writers and directors minds for sort of bang average films mm. of a similar ilk. Yeah. Yeah. And right. I think he'll dip into it as and when, I guess because it's quite lucrative to do so, yeah. <laughs> um, and he knows he can do the big, the sort of the great films alongside. So mm. well, you know, but I think Drive is a particularly interesting film to bring up in this context, as it's I think a film that again focuses on the na- the sort of psychological makeup. Of that sort of way of life, yes. Um, and the person you need to be in order to, yeah, that and space. and and the person you're never going to be as a result, yeah. Which I think is really important in the context of drive. Because again, it's you know obviously I think I've said this before, but you know it's an allegorical western that sees Ref and interrogate the grisly nature of being an assassin and how such a life requires some kind of psychological or cognitive deficiency. And it's something that's heightened by his attempt to sort of establish some sense of normalcy in his life through a human connection. Yeah, yeah. What I particularly like in that context is that sort of Refin's framing of the violence is very, it, in stark contrast to a lot of the film, is sort of swift, brutal, and quite unstylistic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you think of the context of Drive, and obviously the, the, the scene that brings this to light, it would be the elevator sequence. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the scene which is you know very stylistic. There's you know is it Cliff Martinez with the score? I believe it is. Yeah, um, you know it's sort of heightened. The lights turn on and there's this sort of really romantic moment, and then it just just ends. The yeah. moment Gosling stamps on that guy's face and crushes it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just the idea that you know that, that he can he he can't escape those that's the that, that, psychological and cognitive deficiencies that have. Sculpted him, mm, yeah, and and the kind of person that he is. The, why I think that scene is so great is because she's realised that she's realised even though he protected her, he 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 was he showed a part of himself in that in that process that was like, okay, it's not just about protection for you. Like yeah. this is part of who you are. There's like violence is in your nature. Yes, yeah. He's um, got a
1: scorpion on his back. Exactly. He? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember?
0: Fuck it. It's coming back to me now because like, uh, shit. Like, yeah. I just think it's so brilliant. In the way that it frames that character journey. Yeah, yeah. um, And offers a sort of crumb of hope in that sort of hyper stylized nature and in the soundtrack, which is obviously one of the most famous things about the film because, I mean, I was definitely part of this, but, you know, when we were at uni. Oh, That was the film everyone talked about. Real hero. Yeah, Yeah, everyone loved that idea of sort of fusing, you know, like a neon-drenched sort of setting with like a pulsing synth soundtrack. You Mm. know, that started that, I think, for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, like, I just think the film does that really, really well. And I think maybe because it inspired this sort of whole, you know, generation of filmmakers in terms of the way they approach films – uh, in terms of the style, I think maybe it's lost a bit of stock as a result. I don't know, but like, I think it's a real solid. I, I genuinely think it's like a real modern masterpiece. Like I, I, and I know a lot of people say that about the film. It's not exactly new to say. That's probably arguably quite trite to say it. But
1: well, this is this is part of the. I I love the film as well. I don't have a problem with it at all. But I think. That too many people said that, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, had yeah. a backlash, a natural backlash, which happens with a lot of films which are very good, and very successful, and well renowned. People, people find holes to pick, and quite often those criticisms I think are unjustified. Its uh, popularity ends up
0: doing it a disservice, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It, it, you know, like you say, like a lot of people go, "It's brilliant." Yeah, there's a lot of people go, "Oh, if everyone's <laughs> saying it, it's got there's something got to be something shit about it." Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, and then people, which I'm guilty of. Oh man, we all are, but I think people jump on the it was mismarketed bandwagon as well, yeah, yeah, uh, because people thought it was going to be like Fast and Furious, and it wasn't because um, <laughs> <laughs> it had a. I think I think the trailer leaned in on the, on the kind of cast car off. element, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember thinking <laughs> that. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it is funny because I think with you know the difference we drive and in Bruges is that uh, Ray and in Bruges really shows us humanity and shows that he's actually too, com- almost too compassionate to carry out you know to be part of this profession whereas Gosling's the opposite is he he's sort of inadvertently ultimately s- shows his lack of humanity and that's why he's still you know, I think the that's ending. central like yeah.
0: it's interesting I think the best Hitman films it's central that's central to the journey is that realisation that if you're in it you, you know, not, you're there's not you not you sold your soul yeah right. and yeah. it's like I think in Bruges quite a good job of sort of interrogating that in a comedic way and thus adding pathos but it mm. o- fundamentally is still something that is inherently obviously problematic and yeah. if you think about like Pulp Fiction you know you know yeah. Samuel L. Jackson and, and Johnny Travolta you know it's like they're iconic you know yeah, they're like yeah. when you think of Hitmen in cinema they're the two you think of Oh, completely, and, yeah. and Obviously, Tarantino's use of dialogue invites you into that world, and the sensibilities that he uses to invite you into that world makes it more palatable. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but fundamentally, they're still you know r- you know rotten people. You know, mm, yeah. But they yeah. do have human trait, human qualities completely. And decency, yeah, like, and, and 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 they can show that, and it sparkles in them occasionally. Yeah, well, but I find f- that it fascinating. Do you think that's problematic? Uh,
1: I do. Th- I think Pulp Fiction, like you say, does a great job of constructing a universe where it isn't problematic, but the if if that were to happen in the real world it would be horrendous and you know, they'd be they'd be caught long before they get to yeah. do what they do. Yeah, yeah. Um but I love I, my one of my favourite bits about Pulp Fiction is the slight departure from the kind of hitman side of it and him just meeting Uma Thurman yeah, get, yeah. getting on with her and yeah, then taking her to yeah, hospital yeah, yeah. and stuff. Like that that's a good example of the human side and which Tarantino, I don't think uses as much anymore, which is a
0: shame because I, I think it, it's employed to great effect in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, um, yeah. I just think it's funny because I, I talk about this idea of, of how central the contradictions of, you know, or you know, humanity versus the way of life, and how that's central, I think, to the best examples of the genre. But it's interesting that we talk about films like In Bruges and Pulp Fiction that that you know used humor mm. or like a certain style and sensibilities in in Writing and cinematic approach that almost leave those concerns by the wayside, yeah, and I think that's interesting, and yeah. I think that's something that you perhaps could be delved into further perhaps in a in a later episode, yeah definitely, and yeah in the way how like you know the way it's sort of the same way when we talk about violence, you know, like I fucking love action movies, mm. uh, but I fucking hate real world violence, I fucking hate it, oh, yeah, I mean, most yeah. people hate it, but like I'm not one of those people, even if I see like aggression in like a just a normal everyday context context i panic yeah you know, i hate yeah, it like yeah. so you know it's interesting that films can 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 do that and i think it'd be worth oh yeah yeah you know doing an episode about that perhaps in the future
1: definitely yeah just in the, in the, the departure from Real world scenarios and how yeah how a film can
0: endear itself
1: yeah to it can us pull and you others. in yeah with, with yeah. it with its own universe pop fiction in Bruges especially and and just kind of make you forget that these people if you encounter them in real life and and they had a, you had a conversation with them and they you know revealed to you <laughs> yeah, well, there's yeah. a scene in, in Bruges where he says ah oh, you know what do you do for a living I kill people for money it's played for last. if that happened in real life she'd be gone <laughs> she yeah, would yeah, be yeah. gone. Um,
0: that disconnect is part of the way it works what part of the reason it works right obviously oh, yeah, but yeah. i mean as a, as a source of entertainment yeah it's interesting i'm not i'm not poo-pooing that i'm not i'm not saying that, that shouldn't no. happen i just think it's interesting
1: yeah me too yeah
0: should we talk about the
1: killer yes yes let's do uh,
0: that you know i've talking talking to you about it i know you're a huge fincher fan yeah 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 and obviously you know i, you know, I think fincher's great um But it's interesting that this film, I don't know if it's because it's through Netflix, for me, like, I knew literally nothing about it until I saw a trailer at the watershed. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is probably bad on me, really, for calling myself a film fan, not knowing when Fincher's next film is out. But I don't know, it didn't seem there was a great deal of buzz around it at all.
1: No, it's a lot of bus posters, but
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I've noticed that more now.
1: Yeah, no one's really talking about it though, and no. right? I have to kind of prompt people. But oh yeah, there's another Fincher film out. It's yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And that's the thing about streaming. I just think it's hard to generate buzz. Like mm. I think streaming is re- they've nailed g- generating buzz for TV shows, but not for movies.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. Even with a Fincher strange. film.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you think Fincher like would would do that? I mean, you think about something like Gone Girl. I mean, fucking everyone talked about fucking yeah, Gone Girl for yeah, like yeah. two or three weeks. Regardless of what you thought about the film upon consumption, it was like a big <laughs> yeah? cultural moment. A lot of people were talking about it, you know. Mm. But I just feel like this film didn't have that. No, it didn't, and, and, it and it felt sort of lukewarm. I felt lukewarm to it going in.
1: Okay, right. which, which yeah. is
0: strange for me to say that because I really try and avoid that sort of feel, this sort of feel, any sort of feeling towards a film before I go in because I don't want that to dictate my experience. Mm. Uh, and overall, I would say I didn't dislike it.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. There were
0: things I really liked about it, Mm. but there was a lot I just found was inoffensively dull.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. That's interesting, that. I I, I mean, I I think we said this last week. I'm a bit more of a Fincher fanboy than you are, which is. It comes with the territory. Like, I I get swept up in his narratives, and. Yeah, yeah. I I love the way he employs visual effects, which is something I am personally yeah, love yeah, and yeah, I am yeah, interested yeah, totally. in. Um, well, that's
0: worthy. That's absolutely yeah, yeah. Mm, absolutely worthy. I,
1: I liked I think I liked it a lot more than you did with mm-hmm. I definitely thought the killer had its issues, for sure. And
0: it was very straightforward. It was like So battling. straightforward.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So straightforward. I was so but I think maybe there's something in that, and again, we talk about this idea of like films being revised a few years down the line, and I wonder if this film would have the moment. And I did think, yeah, I wonder if I rewatch this film in like. A couple of years time, my opinion on it will shift.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you look at a film like the game, that's experienced a bit of a revival. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot I of like people that like that now. Yeah, I quite like that. Movie. It wasn't always the case. Like there was no. a time in which people thought it was his worst film, and he made Alien Three. <laughs> <You know> what <laughs> what <I mean? laughs> so yeah, it's funny. I mean, the the difference is, I think a lot of people didn't get on with the game because of its twist. Whereas with the killer, there's a lack of an alarming lack of twist. It's so <laughs> yeah. straight laced. Yeah. yeah, same yeah. with Gonga. I mean, Gongo had a fantastic twist, and he can do that really well. And I did. I was sort of weirdly waiting for one. Yeah. And when it didn't come, I was ever so slightly let down. Um, I th- it still won me over with its stylism.
0: I think the style of the film is one of its strongest assets, and I think it's particularly effective in the way it sort of frames this... There's almost like a sort of stylishly calamitous nature to Fassbender's character that I really liked. Yeah, yeah. Like he sort of waxes lyrical about the necessity of planning and, and conditioning the mind and the body to become this sort of killing machine. Yeah, yeah. And it's played so straight as you'd expect from Fincher mm. um, and then he just almost largely always balders up every sort of assassination <laughs> yeah. even if he kills someone there's always something he does slightly wrong or he like <laughs> yeah. he makes the, the whole thing more laborious and I thought that was one of the st- strongest elements of this film there's always yeah. this sort of like vaguely comedic undertone yeah underneath sort of like Finch's textbook seriousness yeah yeah (laughs) uh, which I really really liked and I think I think the film could have lent into that a lot more
1: yeah I agree I think yeah one of my the most entertaining moments is right at the beginning it's after it's really lots of 10 minutes of him waxing like you said just like Explaining his process and like washing his hands and then washing the sink that he's washed his hands yeah, in, yeah. Uh, and then he goes to shoot someone and fucks it up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it is hilarious. It's great, it's so yeah, funny great moment. Yeah, and there's another bit where, um, I mean, yeah, there's some re- real, really good standout moments in there. There's a really quite comedic fight in it, it takes place in a like a. Uh, Floridian Swamp Yeah, and the yeah. guy is just massive he's a, he's a unit and Fassbender has to sort of employ his sleekness to, yeah, to yeah. finish him off but it's it's really well choreographed and it's really exciting one of the best scenes I think And but it is sort
0: of funny in the way he's this guy just lumbering around Yeah, and his it, dog and it, it, it sort of heart back to sort of like silent era cinema silliness in a way yeah yeah it's definitely strange yeah. there's a glass table bit in it you know, yeah yeah, very classic stuff. yeah yeah again that straight lace thing yeah. one thing going back to the opening one of the things i really didn't like was that sort of deployment of that sort of, the sort of nihilistic philosophy of a misanthropic hitman no oh, right I think yeah. it was like there are six uh, 7.8 billion people on the planet yeah. So all that sort of thing like you know humanity is a disease we're all doomed and it's like yeah fair enough like mm. i'm not saying that can't be used as an effective character device but i remember watching it with my friend elena and she sort of leant over to me with that opening monologue <laughs> and was like, this has given me Joker vibes. Uh,
1: oh, do you know? Oh, right. And it's strange because I thought,
0: oh, she's not wrong. Yeah, I, yeah. Again, all the stuff about being sort of methodical and about the sort of being a hitman, mm. I really liked because again, yeah. it worked quite well. But I just think there was a sort of like the way in which it then sort of employed this sort of the moral dilemma, subsequent moral, moral dilemmas of being a hitman. It was so prosaic and so yeah. sort of just plodded through the sort of such familiar territory Mm. and again i love a film that you know there is some great examples of movies that stick religiously to the confines confines might be the wrong word i keep saying that word (laughs) it's going no, in the wrong word but you know like it sticks so well and so rigidly to the aspects of genre and it breathes life into that which i think can definitely happen and again i wonder in the context of Re watching this film, maybe I'll give it more credit on that basis. Yeah, maybe because I yeah. love that. I love a fucking straight lace genre experience that reminds you there's still life in the stuff you think you've seen a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so I wonder, I wonder if that'll dilute in the future. But I just felt that, like, again, goes back to that straight lace thing, it was so familiar mm. and so sort of pedestrian. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and I just thought, I don't know, like, it didn't feel it felt more like a in, in those elements to me. Like those bang average Netflix thrillers that you see. Yeah,
1: okay. I... It, I think it's elevated by Fincher sticking to his style. Although
0: there's a lot of handheld in it, he doesn't usually yeah. do handheld. The held. bit where he, he's running down the stairs, I was like, yeah, "Fuck yeah. hell, this is, this is weird for Fincher." It is.
1: It was odd because it's weird, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's famous for not using that and use or using it really saying, sparingly. He fucking hates it. Yeah, yeah. And I was really surprised by the amount of handheld. I don't know whether it was laziness or whether he wanted to challenge himself. I'm not sure, but it yeah. did, I agree. I did. It did come across as a bit like, "Oh, this this feels rushed." Um, maybe that was the style that it it kind of chose to employ and maybe he's just sick of people like me telling him oh you don't like handheld do you <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's
0: listening thinking you fucker Ben I'll get you for it <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah there's a great Tilda Swinton's a good scene or, uh, where she tells a joke and it takes ages yeah uh, yeah I quite like that scene actually yeah. that was good the, the lawyer's assistant what he does with her I thought that was really quite good yeah Um, and the nail gun and all that kind of stuff Um. He's just... Yeah, it, it kept me entranced, despite the straight-lacedness of mm. it, and I was still quite curious to see where it ended up. Yeah. Um, I think the ultimate sort of message of it is, you know, the the, the, the plot of this film concerns, after he's botched up this job, uh, they put a hit on him, which, again, is a really familiar trope. Um and one you mentioned earlier with *The Samurai, I'm sure that was a very Yeah, yeah it's something he
0: was very yeah, explicitly sort of referenced. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, he
1: does definitely borrow from it in that respect in that, that the, the hunter becomes the hunted kind of thing. Yeah. And it ends up him meeting the client, so the guy that told him to finish off this other guy at the beginning in the first place. And it's quite... It sort of starts to... I don't know, I guess the message of it is... Just, these kinds of requests right that these these hits trickle down uh, a workforce and get diluted yeah so by the time he meets this guy who's in in the eyes of the the killer has wronged him and this guy's just a normal very rich sort of wishy-washy bloke and he's just baffled he's like oh yeah i i uh oh, apparently it went wrong, so I just told him to deal with it. It's all, you know, it's all done by other people. I'm not responsible. (laughs) I thought that was kind of the ultimate sort of message of it is like the in in this world, it's diluted so much that you you expect it to be this kind of evil bloke at the end. Yeah, yeah. the, The overlord. And it's just like a sort of bewildered, tech startup guy <laughs> yeah i yeah, that was yeah. quite interesting yeah i like that too actually
0: <laughs> he'd be good at that as well sort of obviously with his work in social network it sort of feels like yeah. a little bit of a nod to that i think yeah. so yeah yeah i also really what i really liked again you know nothing new for fincher but that sort of monochromatic desaturated mm. style it almost feels like Fassbender's character is sort of like just draining the life out of every space he's in. Yeah, and he sort yeah. of like leaves an impression of on people that he has just very perfunctory interactions with, Yeah. which yeah. is almost contradictory to this idea that he's like this sort of like in and out sort mm. of guy. I liked yeah. that too. And it really suited it. Again, it's you know, the, the, there are a few sort of moments where you sort of hear a filmmaker's working on a, a film within a certain genre. You think, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. I think in the context of this, it absolutely makes sense. Mm.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's written by Andrew Kevin Walker as well, who did seven. Yeah, uh, who apparently does a lot of uncredited work on loads of Finch's films. Um, so, yeah, I was expecting I was expecting an awful lot from this. And I don't know why I wasn't as disappointed as maybe, you know, a lot of other people I have spoke to about the film was were even Georgia, actually, she was like, I hate yeah, it. Yeah, she hated it, yeah. She, was, yeah. she thought it was shite, yeah. And I can kind of understand why, uh, in that there was definitely an expectation surrounding it, and apparently it's based on a based on a graphic novel as well, um, yeah. apparently.
0: Which uh, might lend itself to that idea a bit more about the sort of way it's approached. Yeah, yeah. And not yeah. to shit on graphic novels, I mean, they're, yeah, they're great. <laughs> but no, <laughs> you know, the valid medium, it's just, I don't know, maybe that has sort of impacted the, the sort of process of approach to the sort of ideas. Yeah. A lot more. Um, yeah.
1: fastben's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's he's kind of he's not doing anything extraordinary, but I feel the film would be quite out of place if
0: yeah if, if he went all he in. Did, yeah
1: yeah. In, I mean I mean his his career is he's done a lot of he did like Assassin's Creed and all that kind yeah. of stuff recently. I'm kind of I hope that he chooses his roles wisely in the future. Like, do you yeah, know what I mean? Because yeah, like, yeah. th- that can happen with actors sometimes as they like have a sort of good few years of some amazing runs and Oscar noms and you know, he played Steve Jobs was great in that. And then like make some quite baffling choices. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I continue to sort of watch him. <laughs> yeah. Despite that, when that must mean something, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I'm trying to think who I, I mean, Tilda Swinton is very good in it in that one. She's not in it that much. No. Um, and no, no. she, she but some other i mean like there's some moments in it like i was a bit annoyed by the fact that his house was so nice
0: yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I think there like the i was Dominican saying earlier, yeah, yeah like there's yeah. a kind
1: of glamour about the way he's living and you just like i don't quite i mean presumably he's wealthy but i prefer it when he's you know if he's this yeah. sort of lone hunter I prefer, yeah, yeah. i'd prefer. i almost prefer it if he didn't have any sort of emotional ties and and a kind of grounded place where he can kick back yeah. and relax you know yeah i, yeah. I, don't
0: know. I mean it, i think in the context of the ending it sort of was bizarrely effective because he's like sat there with you know with the beautiful woman in the beautiful landscape and he sort of just appears very hollow yeah about yeah it all. so maybe it's just that thing where it's like he he has this stuff because he's got no, nothing else to spend his money on um yeah because the film sort of anchors on that revenge about these people that come and sort of torture his, his lover. Yeah. But there's not enough really there. I don't <laughs> know. It almost feels like he he feels like he's behaving in a way he has to behave, which in the sort of context of the themes of the, of the genre works quite well. Yeah. But yeah. I just I just don't know if 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 the film is intentional in that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like maybe it is. Maybe I need to give that more credit on Fincher because I can't imagine he would he wouldn't have considered that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I found that whole thing a little bit bizarre.
1: Uh, Fincher opening credits. What do you think of those? I don't, they were, they always zip by really quickly. Fincher's opening credits. Yeah, sequences. yeah, yeah. There's a strange thing that they've done on the poster where the eye in Killer is is horizontal. Yeah, yeah. That's really odd. To, I don't know why. I, it it kind of puts puts me, <laughs> me off. Like gra- yeah, yeah. I know he's maybe he's trying to make a bold graphic design statement or something. <laughs> yeah, really yeah, strange. yeah. It's like the eye is sideways and it's meant to be a person that's been shot. Yeah. Um, which I think was a bit much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um no, I think for me at the moment I still thought it was great. I dunno why I, I maybe I was in I think I was quite hungover when I watched it actually. And it was it was quite short. It was quite a sort yeah. of mellowing experience. Mm. Um I then watched Girl with the Dragon Tattoo again. It led me to revisit that film. That's so good. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, film yeah. Was that amazing. is amazing. That is a good movie. Yeah, uh, that that is much better than I remembered it. I saw it twice before and I wasn't as keen on it, but it is it is great. That's that's one of his best. And then I watched Zodiac as well, uh, which I'd love to talk about more, but. Um, I could go on for a long time about Zodiac. The Social Network as well, although so much has been said about that film, it's all sort of laid out on the table anyway. Um, but definitely, you know, like Zodiac, yeah, uh, the game, uh, Seven, although Seven is a similar thing to The Social Network in that it's in the public's consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Mank as well. Fuck, Mank was as. His- you know what that's uh, uh, I'm embarrassed to say I've not seen it it's fine it, was, it came and went it was on Netflix was, yeah on yeah Netflix and that's thing. strange
0: because I love Mankiewicz the director it's based on writer director he's great so yeah I need to watch that movie what am I fucking doing I might do that this weekend
1: yeah i interested to hear, uh, hear what you think about that because yeah, yeah. It's, it's an odd one for Fincher um, and Gary Oldman's fantastic in it and it's it's that kind of, it's much better than Babylon, I'll say that, like <laughs> in the sense of the Hollywood fable yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot about... Um, God, I forgot we talked about that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the early ones. Um, episode two or three, isn't it, that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, oh. Mank's interesting. I did quite. I did end up quite liking Mank, but it took a while to sort of stew over. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, his dad wrote it. Fincher's dad wrote oh that. really yeah yeah oh, um, that's cool it was like a passion project of his that uh, was never realised when he was alive and then uh, oh, yeah Fincher oh. made it after, which is quite sweet actually yeah it's yeah. one of his sweeter films but not in the Benjamin Button suite
0: it's, no it's no, like quite no. sincere yeah yeah
1: okay. uh, sincere sorry not sincere <laughs> sincere
0: <laughs> heavens <laughs> yeah yeah talk about being sincere yeah <laughs> shall we outro <laughs> let's outro yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Questing the Cinematic noise. There we have it then. Mm. Uh, good to talk about that film again. I mean, I, I would be. I'm really interested to see what my response to that film will be in a few years' time because I will. I do want to watch that again with that mindset. If I'm basically going to be a sheeping, go, it's good actually. Uh, you
1: know. <laughs> I just did that with Dragon Tattoo.
0: Yeah, so yeah. maybe
1: yeah, it might take a couple of watches to kind of s- sweeten. Sweet me up you to it maybe yeah yeah or vice or could the exact opposite could happen I could hate it the second time I watch it this is actually worse (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Uh, next week Mm. Napoleon
1: Napoleon Dynamite 2004
0: no no Ridley Ridley Scott's Scott's Mm. stab at a historical epic Uh, well no he's stabbed the historical epic many times but this is you know a, a character that has dodged uh, even the greatest cinematic giants like Kubrick yeah and yeah. now has fallen to the Billy man who Scott. gets it done
1: regardless yeah <laughs>
0: which is admirable despite the sort of varying de- degrees of success mm. it's interesting he's he's really come out fighting in interviews about it which I sort of quite admire you can tell he's just this sort of old bloke who just doesn't give a shit yeah which could yeah. sometimes could be problematic but in the context of him defending the film in terms of historical accuracy and stuff, I think it's quite funny. Yeah, he does um, that.
1: He did that with the last film that came out. He started banging on about millennials and things yeah, like that, and yeah, yeah. phones and stuff. You're yeah, like, oh yeah. god. <laughs> yeah, he's talking
0: about the French. He's like, the French don't even like themselves. It's like, oh bloody hell, Ridley. He started <laughs> yeah. to sound like fucking Jeremy Clarkson now. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I'm interested to, to sort of uh watch the film on that basis about the idea of the historical epic, what the responsibility is of a historical epic. Mm. You know, if the film's intention is to get as many bums on seats as possible, is it, necessarily going to achieve that through sticking rigorously to detail just to impress a couple of historians who aren't going to give the film back its budget. Yeah. You know, it's interesting discussion, I think, weighing up the pros and cons of either. As someone that loves history and loves movies. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. Really that line. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting discussion point. We could talk more broadly about that as well. I think so, yeah. Um, definitely. Historical
1: epics. Because it it it's a gamble making one. Even yeah. if you you know, even if you got yeah. Scott even if you've got Phoenix, you know, and Vanessa Kirby, and yeah, yeah, 200 million dollars, like,
0: yeah. you, it is a
1: fucking gamble. Yeah, it is yeah, still yeah. going to, you know.
0: Historical epics are a big part of the sort of, you know, the DNA of the medium, but mm. there are so many that are fucking shit. You know, they've yeah. felled some great filmmakers. Fucking Oliver Stone with Eyes Under the Grey. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, like, shit, that's yeah. a bizarre film. Like, it is, yeah. Know, I am tempted as well to, uh, you know, to to talk to watch the original Napoleon, the silent film, which I've not seen before. Yeah, so if I can source that, maybe we can watch that together for that the sake of nice. comparison.
1: Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: because it is like the big one of the big, you know, events of okay. silent cinema. So maybe we could do that and a blind spot for me because I've never seen it. So yeah, same, yeah, yeah. tone So that next week, Ridley, Ridley, old man Ridley, yeah. old man Napoleon. There's a great bit in, uh,
1: you know, those sort of um, Hollywood roundtables where they get directors in.
0: Oh yeah, I always find there's a bit insufferable to watch. They which are I shouldn't a bit because I often love a lot of the people that are involved. Yeah, but they always seem a bit ass kissing a bit. I don't know, which annoys me.
1: Yeah, the, the, it's funny you mentioned that because there's a lot of that going on. And then they turn to Ridley and they're talking about the difficulty of making films. And they turn to him and he's like, "No, mate, it's easy." So like, just get
0: it done. Yeah, That's literally yeah. all he says. That's the fucking philosophy right there. That's, that, yeah. that encapsulates Ridley Scott. Yeah. yeah. It's contrarian. Again, not that I know him. But um, yeah. Tony nice. Scott's better. I'm just going to go and say it. We've already said this. We have, yeah. 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 We'll stand by that. Yeah. So, yeah. On that, <laughs> have a good week. Yes. And uh, catch you in the next one. Catch you later. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.